0: Today is September 8th, 2018. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border, the Blackfeet, north of the border, Saksika, Gunai, and Bigani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed in 1877, with signatories that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, now Wesley, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nation, and the Sutina Nation. We acknowledge all Indigenous that are First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status or non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of this land. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I think I know as I walk down the Red Road. My name is Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman and I was born in Calgary. I was born Michelle Elliot, which is a very English name that has afforded me great privilege in a colonial world. My mother is Satu Denny, but my Indian Act and Post Status Card by the Canadian government says Yolanda Denny. My father is so Canadian that I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian Act and Post Status Card. Why acknowledging my lineage and where I was born matters is because even though I'm native and even though I was born here, my family is not part of the Treaty Seven signatories my Indigenous nation, still roots me back into the land of the Hare people, Satu people, or the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm native to Turtle Island, and my nation is a visitor to the area of Klincho Tine Indahay, or many house Town, named after the Calgary Stampede in Satu Dene. My cousins are the Sutina. My patron account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support I want to thank Amanda, Amy, Ashley, Diana, Dustin, Joni, Judy, Julie, uh, Kenna, Matt, Sharon, and Nathan for signing up. If you value listening and afford to give, thank you. If for those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments or questions. And now we're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And nativecalgarian.com is up and at them if you want to check it out. Um, violence is just a daily reality for me. Every generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to just speak freely, without interruption, without the tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell me theirs, and by literally people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights. You know, people who are gatekeepers that survive off the status quo or people who are really in their trauma uh, that they aren't aware of what the issues really are and are really stuck in in their trauma. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. How sad I needed a podcast for that boundary to be heard, but here we are. So I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future, trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. Um, I want to train people about cultural safety, that you can do something to make a safer place for Indigenous people to speak. First of all, you have to do something. You have to take responsibility for your learning. You have to take time for self-reflection. You have to question your biases and your assumptions, and you have to commit to lifelong learning. Um, Know that internalized racism, some people call lateral violence, and you know, this is uh, inner, interpersonal, institutional, and cultural, and it just helps the status quo continue. Uh, you can be a bystander, and there's some do's and don'ts. Do make your present known as a witness. Uh, take cues from the person being harassed. Do everything you can to keep you safe, and I implore you to take out your phones and start recording it. Don't call the police. Don't escalate, escalate a situation, and don't do nothing. So those are some tips that I'd like to start. My solutions to everything that we talk about on this podcast are the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples' Recommendations, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples articles, and there's multiple and multiple reports to be implemented nationally in order to solve the issues that we're facing. So again, if you have questions, don't hesitate to ask. And today I have a guest. Rhonda, would you like to
1: introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Rhonda. Um, I am a Métis person, and my family is from Fishing Lake, Saskatchewan,
0: Mm. although
1: I was born here in Calgary.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I was having a conversation with you earlier today, and you shared, um, you know, a little more about what made you go down this red
1: road, and I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing that. Oh, sure. Um, like, in my family, we always knew that we were Métis, but it was never really, it was never acknowledged. Um, um, my sister, for example, seems to think that we grew up, um, in a white way, Mm. is how she would say it, but, um... We had a Métis parent, so we grew up Métis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But anyways, um, my mom never really talked about how we were Métis and, uh, you know, things that her parents did uh, back in Saskatchewan as part of a Métis community. So... We never learned anything really about it, mm-hmm. and one day I went to Heritage Park with my child and their dad, and we went into the the village there, and there's a I forget the name of the structure, but it's it's um there was a woman working in there um teaching people about the Metis people and the Metis culture. Mm-hmm. And she I just started talking to her and she started telling me about Metis um, history and she was really excited about it and mm. and I can't remember exactly what it was that set me off, but I did start crying like it was like a floodgate opened
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, <clears throat> it, it was good. I was like really happy and relieved to have met her. And that's what started me learning about my family and who we are and why we are the way that we are. And, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning. There's just so much more to learn. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's uh It's an interesting thing growing up in Canada, because I don't think people understand the gravity of having to basically deny your Indigenous heritage.
1: Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And now that I know what I know, and that I'm learning what I'm learning, it's necessary. Like, to be a well person, I believe, you do need to know who you are, where you came from. Mm Mm-hmm. And why you are the way that you are now, because of what happened to our past generations,, mm-hmm. you well, know? and even
0: this generation being yes. you know, yes. being silenced as people and when oh yes, like how often do we let racist stuff go because it's been the social norm, yeah, you know i'm forty one and I'm just starting to really push back on race- racist assumptions. Yeah. But in order for me to be here, it had to take all of those generations beforehand in order for me to even exist.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I see that all the time as well, where I do and I have all my life not acknowledged certain ways I was treated and my family was treated, especially my mom um, and my sister, too, because they are noticeably darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um I ended up quite fair like my dad. Mhm. So I didn't deal with some of the things that they had to put up with. Yeah. And because of you know growing up here uh where the majority of people are white. Mhm. And you gain that sort of mentality that they have because this is where we grew up. Yeah. Y- you don't notice so much like what they're saying and how much of an impact it has. Yeah. And it has a huge impact. Totally. You know, like my mom, when she was younger, she do- she told me and, you know, with tears in her eyes that the neighbor they they had when they were younger wouldn't allow her into their home because she was dark, but they would allow her sister into their home because she was light. <laughs> and that's affected my mom her entire life. Of course. You know? And even within the family, um, you know, they grew up thinking that being native was equal to being dirty. Yeah. You know, and so um, my mom would do everything to not appear dirty. (laughs) Like, you know, and she spent her whole life doing that. And I have so many questions now about, I mean, I know that she loved my dad and we love my dad. But I do wonder if she may have married him, you know, consciously or or not, because he was white. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it might have been a factor, and I'd never really considered that before. Mm-hmm. But I consider it now, now that I'm learning and seeing mm-hmm. so many things that I didn't before. Yeah, yeah, I know it's interesting uh, consciousness of it. Uh,
0: I know a lot of Indigenous people you know, say there's a lot of white coating and a lot of, you know, natives that don't acknowledge their privilege. And again, that's kind of why I acknowledge gatekeepers at the start of the, at this, at the show, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that have been able to benefit from this. And I was sharing a story with you earlier that I was at, uh, you know, this, uh, entertainment center that all kids in Calgary go to. And, uh, they had a story on Bigfoot and I talked to the management about it. And I said, look, oh, right. this is a, a major issue for, for me. And they, first they assumed I was West Coast Salish, which I found insulting because every nation has their term for, uh, Bigfoot or, you know, Sasquatch, uh, Kichisawi. my language, it's, uh, Naga and, uh, you know, but they were quick to point out they have an indigenous person who has their master's degree. So therefore they okayed themselves to continue to showcase the show. And, uh, you know, whether this person, well, number one said what they said, we don't know, but two, even if they did to gatekeep like that, and, you know, maybe not be as connected to their culture to have come up with that, you know, assumption that it's perfectly okay to make fun of Bigfoot. Um, tried to tell the manager there that you know it would be like us making a comedy roast of jesus christ as the gesture and mm-hmm. how how would that make you feel and right away he understood the gravity of it right but the point was was that he didn't assume that all indigenous people acknowledge that there is some kind of myth or fairy tale and not something that is of significance mm-hmm. to all of us right, right. um yeah. but that's that white you know, thinking or privileged and colonial belief system being imposed on our people and our and our things. And re- funny enough, I just seen somebody come out with a court case about Sasquatch out of all things. Oh, really? And it was a white person who was trying to acknowledge Sasquatch as an endangered person and the court f- threw it out, but not before giving it a bunch of rulings that I'm incredibly uncomfortable with because it basically diminished Indigenous belief system and uh but i don't think it's really going to make any news and anybody's going to really care but it could be something down the road in 2040 years that could be used against us in a negative way so i'm really concerned about that and you know i don't think we even see the violence against our people on a regular basis just solely based on ignorance or solely based on that white coding that believing so
1: so That's yeah. True. Mm-hmm. yeah but also i think we are automatically dismissed anyways Mm -hmm. like we're not taken seriously or given consideration for what we think right you know like it sounds like that person may have um uh when they talked to this indigenous person it sounds like they were just um trying to get someone to say this is okay so that they could go ahead instead of considering yeah a community of people yeah. you know or and
0: belittling, belittling my concern as a yeah. you know paying customer anyway so like if no other reason that i'm a paying customer it didn't matter because at the end of the day i was just an indigenous mother exactly. who uh, voiced an opinion that they're not comfortable with so exactly
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's not a big deal to them because they think we're not a big deal. Totally.
0: Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's uh it's a hard conversation to have. It's two thousand eighteen and you know, average Joe Canadian thinks, Oh, racism is something the Americans have and they just don't understand how incredibly subtle and
1: systemic it is here in Canada. Yeah. It's a neighbor of mine was saying that exact same thing and i hear it a lot how we in canada are not nearly as bad as the u.s and i'm like that is so not true we're at least the same
0: well how do we have all these missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and two-spirit but through like you know subtle policy changes and Mm -hmm. policy systemic racism within canada's like legal system um legislated to showcase that but you know we just want to pretend like it's not a reality yeah yeah because
1: it's just us you know and we're not of consequence so yeah interesting but it is it we are my goodness the racism here is just we just don't have are Trump in right at the moment who can, you know, goad everyone to mm-hmm. to let their racism come out in the open, Yeah, you know. But even if we did, it would look probably very likely like the U.S., mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, John A. MacDonald was definitely a Trump for his yes. time, and yeah. even Harper yeah. I found to be very Trump-like, oh, yes. so... You know, I uh, which made me a liberal. And speaking of which, I had a liberal meeting this afternoon, and I'm looking for volunteers if anybody wants to join me uh, in the Calgary area or nationally. There's always a liberal um, training camp. So now's the time to get involved if you want to not have more Harpers in the next election.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Actually, that's a good example of some internalized racism I recently had was, uh, um, you know, on Twitter a lot of people attack me for, you know, being a part of colonial politics at all. But for me, I just, I understand how politics works. And, you know, uh, all these subtle policies, like they need changing, and it's going to be a long term effects. And, you know, until there's a revolution by indigenous people, which I don't see coming. um, You know, I have to work on these small little uh, policy changes
1: as I can. So. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Because uh, if we don't, y- y- you know, you you do kind of have to pick the lesser of two evils. Just because some people, you know, we need that. It's not just. It's going to affect us yep. more than it'll affect certain other people (laughs) non-indigenous exactly yeah (laughs) so there you go yeah yeah we have to do it yeah
0: so um i you did show me your uh metis status card
1: what was that process like for you getting your card oh my goodness it was ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) it was really hard like i had to send numerous emails yeah Um, confirming that my information got there, and that it was being processed, and it took several months. Um, Yeah, it wasn't easy, and I don't know why, because we're Métis. Like, I don't have to look very far back, and I'm, you know, like, There's no denying that I'm Métis, so I'm like, why is this taking so long? Like, I didn't expect it, but um, I'm glad to have it.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. I know we have that conversation in our family a lot about, you know, the card shouldn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. But yet, they, in the end, confirm your identity, so in a lot of ways you want the card, and... You know, it's a hard conversation in our in our family that with the new rule changes, you know whether my daughter will qualify for Indian status and whether I want that for her. And then right. the flip side is is that she does qualify for Yellow Knife M- Métis status, but uh, you know I don't know if uh, we should at least try for her status first, her her First Nation status, and then um, if they reject it, well probably take them to court and while taking them to court, get her, her Métis status. And it's just, you know, I jokingly say you got to play your cards right on this. Yeah. Uh, yes, I know. Seven, eight, nine. (laughs) Only one person figured that out. Thank you, Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. What are some other things about your Métis culture that you, uh, learned once you, you know, accepted that you were Métis, you were talking about going jigging
1: yeah um, I joined the dancing group here in Calgary, and I was with them for probably over a year. Mm-hmm. I should get back to it because it's a lot of fun. And I just started to meet more and more metis people, and it felt good it's It feels like mm-hmm. being with family, yeah, you know, and that's important. I just didn't realize before how important it is, and it's, it's been really important. Um, we have, um, a history in our family that I'm really proud of. Um, and I knew it all along, but I was never, I never really thought about how, you know, how big it is um that my great great grandfather was in the resistance mm. and he was actually one of Riel's uh main people in his circle of friends. Um I'm actually reading a novel right now and it's so cool because in the novel my great great grandfather's mentioned like really? several times. Yes. Oh cool. Um Yeah, and I'd never read anything in that form before, uh, in a novel form. Yeah. And it's really cool. I was taking pictures of uh, the paragraphs where he was mentioned and sending them to my kid because it was just so cool to see (laughs) him mentioned as one of Riel's, you know, closest people in the resistance. That's great. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um sadly though, he was um he w- was like Oh. <laughs> sadly he was um mistaken for Riel. Uh, um and then killed. Oh, really? Yes. And he was um he was drugged from a horse Ugh. until he died
0: yeah oh yeah and they thought they were doing it to real at the time yeah so there was that much more
1: so he's known as the martyr um so i always i always think i mean that is horrific what happened to him but it makes me understand more about my family and why we are the way that we are and why I am the way that I am, because Mm -hmm. I'm very vocal about standing up for any oppressed group. Yeah. And I think I come by it honestly because of, I mean, I have my relatives that were directly in the resistance. So, yeah. And it's not that far down the line. Like, that was my great-great-grandfather. And, yeah. So.
0: That's pretty proud, though. Yeah. Pretty proud history to have, so I don't blame you for wanting to, at the very least, have a card. Because I think, too, it's about honoring that legacy. And we may not agree with Canadian policy and process, but at the same time, (laughs) you got to honor your family and your ancestors. And it would be a shame for you know, somebody to be a part of the resistance, have this amazing history and legacy, and their great-great-grandkids are like, eh, whatever. Right. He was nuts. Or whatever, you know. (laughs) Whatever Canadian society decides they want to label people as. So, Which is what it has been up to now. And, you know, I'm kind of excited for my girl to be getting some education about Indigenous and it not being so colonial with the belief system that You know, we're such dirty, as you said, dirty people. Um, Yeah. Actually, funny enough, my daughter and I were going to go to a conversation at the university where there's going to be soon-to-be teachers. And uh, they're asking us, and more specifically her, her experience as a young Indigenous kid going through the school system, because, you know, the worst part about being Indigenous in a classroom is that sometimes you're expected to Know your culture, carry your culture and answer all of the questions ah, that people yes. refuse to do all the work for. Right. Yeah. So and that's part of the reason why I'm having the podcast is to remind people that, you know, when you expect people to, you know, give part of their language to you and give part of their culture to you and, you know <sighs> the whole point of what assimilation was was to take it away. And it actually is a hurtful, painful thing to be reminded that you don't know your culture you don't know your language that's but you're true. expected to dance for it like oh my now. gosh,
1: that is so true i yeah. never really thought about that yeah so it is it's like, its own trauma yeah like i when you said that i i know that feeling yeah i just never put it in words before and i know that feeling yeah,
0: yeah. i think that's a liberating thing about a podcast is that you can kind of talk out some things that yes. you know to be a reality but you don't like, who do you talk to about that? I mean, um, mm, most true. therapists don't have, um, you know, decolonizing in their in their thinking. Yeah. So that how will they possibly know our trauma? You know? Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So you got to make space and this is our space. And, you know, if it helps one other kid, that's all that yeah. matters to me. Yeah. Kids should not be expected to dance like a monkey on demand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So hopefully that will get through. Well, I love this. Yeah. I love
1: your podcast.
0: Well, thanks. Thanks for being on my show. It's awesome. Yeah. So I want to say thank you, Rhonda, for coming onto the show and, you know, sharing with us a little bit about your background and that. And when, uh, you know, we have other stuff that happens that you want to share, you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. This has been really good. Oh, good. Yeah. I loved it. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. All right. So I guess with that... Um, I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, of what strength really looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is for her Austrian family and roots, and stepping up for teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. Uh, it's through you. I'm a second-generation proud Calgarian. Uh, thank my husband for producing, editing this show, on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, father of our child supporting me down my journey of the red road. He's witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And of course, I'm grateful to my our child who, uh, you know, we were blessed to learn from daily. Honored that you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better stronger person. My Patreon account is native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to the previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, um that's great a huge thank you. But if you cannot afford to give and listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Send in your comments, questions, and we're now on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and nativecalgarian.com is up. And with that, we'll chat soon.